And you're back with Encounter with God here on Faith FM. We haven't yet had anybody call up and let us know uh, way, way into the uh, mushroom debate yet, Mon. That's because we're so right. They're just, you know, we're like, we can, we just converted the whole of Australia to non-mushroom eaters. And uh, yeah, so that's just that's all needs to be said. Problem solved. Yeah, it's done and dusted. Nothing to add, really. I think I've encapsulated perfectly why no one should eat mushrooms. Um, <laughs> You're a worry, Mon. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, let me hit you on the clue for this quiz. Let me talk about the prize, actually. I haven't actually told you what you're going to win. So you can win a book, a beautiful book uh, from the Happiness Digest series. And this one is called Real Peace, Real Answers. Happiness is found in knowing God. As we go about our busy lives, it's easy to stub- stumble into worry, fear, or depression. <coughs> Excuse me. Even as we... Even as we experience the joy in life, we see the pain, the suffering, and the death. Is this all that awaits us in the end, or is there more to life than we usually see? Does someone look down on us with love, with care about our concerns? Is there a way to learn more about God and His plans for us? This book, Real Peace, Real Answers, offers words of help and hope to all who are seeking to understand. Here you will find an introduction to a God of love, a God who has outlined a plan to save humans from pain and death. Here also are deeply meaningful questions and clear answers straight out of the Bible. Open your heart to a message of hope and find real peace, Real answers for yourself. If you'd like a copy of Real Peace, Real Answers, you will have to give us a real answer. Real answer to our quiz. Next okay, clue. Give us the next clue. What city am I? The Lord said he would not destroy this city if there were 10 righteous people living in it. Mm. He also said he would not destroy this city if there were 50 in it. Yeah, he did. And a bunch of numbers in between. That's right. If ah, you know be, what that city be, that is... That could be one of a number of cities. It, well, yes. If you know what city that is, give us a call now. 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number, and we will send you a copy of Real Peace, Real Answers, the beautiful book. Fantastic. There it is. Okay, so what have we got for Encounter with God today? We are still in the book of Ephesians, looking at the subject of unity, and we are going to go over to Ephesians chapter 4. And Mon, I have a passage here for you to <coughs> read oh, that we need to understand in a little bit more detail. Ephesians chapter 4, Yep. and I wonder whether you could start for us in verse, verse 11. Now these are the gifts God gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Okay, so there's the gifts, Mon. Which one of them is oh, yours? Oh, Lyle, you're a, you're a gift to our church. You're both a pastor and an evangelist. There you go. No, oh, you're a gift. Where's your bow? You shouldn't have a bow on your head. <laughs> so, so which which one of these is your gift, Mon? And uh, wait, let me have a look. Apostle, um, nope. Prophet, nope. Um, evangelist, nope. Pastor, nope. Teacher, not really. I guess so, I'm not a gift. So, so you see, <laughs> okay, it's not that. All right, all right, all right. Let's let's clarify something here before we go any further. No person is a gift. People receive gifts. <laughs> And so people are gifted by the Holy Spirit to do different that's things. Not what my, that's not what mine says. It's, mine says, now these are the gifts God gave to the church. That's right. The, the apostles, uh, the prophets. Yeah, <laughs> gifts of the Spirit. He didn't say apostleship or prophesying or evangelism. Okay, let me read it from my translation so you get rid of your heresy over there, whatever it is that you're reading. I just want to see you in a bow, Lyle. <laughs> and let's read a little bit of context, shall we? Oh, that's a good idea. Context always important when reading the Bible. Okay, so if you go back to... Uh, 
what we're Seven? reading yesterday, the, starting in verse 1. Okay. You know, we, we, we're talking about you know the, what the work of the Holy Spirit does on the person. There is one body. There mm-hmm. is one spirit. You're all called. This is verse 4. In one hope in your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Verse one 7 is quite clear. It says, however, he has given each one of us a special gift. That's right. And mm-hmm. that, is, of course, in the context of the one Holy Spirit. These are spiritual gifts that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he goes on to talk about you know ascending on high, leading captivity captive, giving gifts unto men. And so we know that when Jesus ascended into heaven, that he took a whole bunch of uh, people from this earth as a sample, as it were, of the general resurrection. These were people who were raised from the dead when he died. Um, <coughs> we read about that and then they vanish and here we find them being taken to heaven. Um but then it goes now that he the hit that he hit try that again. Now that he ascended what it what is it but that he also descended first to the lower parts first of the earth he that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill, might fill all things so that's a little section that's in brackets right there and really illustrating how that you know god has jesus ascended into heaven and continues to um you know and and now of course comes down to us through the holy spirit so the the context here is definitely the holy spirit but mine, I want to know what your gift of the Holy Spirit is here. Mine's not listed. Oh. Yeah, mine's, mine's not there. I actually think you're a pretty good teacher. Thanks. But I guess not in the context of most people think teaching. Like, I'm, not, I'm not as good with kids as I am with teaching adults. And this is different or a problem because? It's actually not what people think it is. <laughs> well, the teaching teaching kids it requires a lot more energy yeah, um, we're teaching adults. I teach adults. I, I, I teach adults all day long. Do not put me in front of a yeah, classroom of yeah. kids. Whatever <laughs> you do, but yeah, because I did. I did. Um, I did a, a portion of a teaching degree um, a few years ago, and the funny thing is, I have found because I did primary primary mm-hmm. teaching, and uh, I discovered <laughs> that all the techniques that I learned on how to teach kids in a classroom, you can transfer them straight across to teaching adults, and it works just as well. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, most child psychology will work on adults. That's the most hilarious thing for me. So there's no such thing as child psychology or child teaching. There's just teaching or psychology. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there might not be as many like, you know, brightly colored things and puppets and stuff like that. But when it comes to like, you know, <laughs> discipline and learning, um, it's, it's, it's I use the same methods and it works. So, oh, so you, you yeah, um, literally... I've beat up on adults and that kind of stuff. No, because I don't beat up on kids, Lyle. <laughs> but I will stick them in time out. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I used to, did you used to get, get, get the cane when you were at school or were you yep. passed out here? I used no, to get the no, cane. No, we still got it, yeah. 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 I never got it, but my classmates did. So What about your brother? I think he did, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'd be kind of surprised if um, if he escaped. Yeah. The mischievous person, if he, <laughs> and if he did, yeah. it's like, yeah, I think, just life is not fair. I think one time I was on my way to get it because the principal came and grabbed me and was dragging me down the hall to his office and I was screaming blue murder. I was so frightened. <laughs> and I don't know, I must have been saying, I need to go to the toilet, I need to go to the toilet, I need to go to the toilet because mm. he let me go and I ran to the toilet and literally didn't come out for the rest of the day. And I guess he figured... That a whole day in solitary is just <laughs> was, bad. It was just good enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Uh, fantastic. All right. So, uh, where were we, we talking uh, about? Gifts. Gifts, gifts. Gifts of the Spirit. And um, your gift here, of course, is the gift of teaching. I think that that's very much your gift. But and not, hospitality. I lean more towards hospitality. It's not in the Bible. No, my bad. 
<laughs> it actually is in other places. Yes. Um, this is not the only list of gifts of the Spirit that there are. There are a bunch of different and lists I think, of gifts of the Spirit. I think a lot of people would be quite relieved to hear that because I'm sure there's many people around the world who look at this short list and go, oh, no, I haven't got any gifts whatsoever because I'm not one of those four things, five things. Yeah. Yeah. So don't worry, there are many gifts and we all have been given a gift. Absolutely. The moment that you give your heart to God, you are endowed with gifts from the Holy gifts of the Holy Spirit to um, to be able to use for His glory and honor. In fact, the Bible goes on and the Bible tells us what these gifts are to be used for. What, mm. have, you, what have you got there for us in verse 12? Yes, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, okay. the body of Christ. Yeah, mm. the body of Christ. So we've talked about this concept of the body before and how that the body is made up of many parts. And if you go over to 1 Corinthians, you'll find this whole picture of the body. And and Paul talks about, you know, if the, if the, if the hand decides that it's going to do something different from what the head decides or whatever, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the various members of the body can't fight against each other. But the hand has a very different function to the foot. Which is a very different function to the nose, which is a very different function to the heart, um, etc. And you can go through the whole body and every different part of the body has a different function. Are there any parts of our bodies that um, we could really live without? Apparently your appendix. Well, you can live with it. Okay, so there's all kinds of parts of your body Mm -hmm. you can live without. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so I've got a friend who, um, you know, um, with cancer, Michael, we interviewed him one time and he's had lots of parts of his body removed. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I think he's got the bare number of internal organ and organs left to be able to stay alive. Oh, wow. And, uh, and yeah, what a, what a powerful testimony if you missed that testimony. Um, just an amazing testimony. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So there's a bunch of internal organs that you can lose, plus we could cut off um, all your limbs all your limbs, mm-hmm. and you could still live. That's right. You could still live a quite an enriched life. I mean, look at Nick Jovovich, the guy, Life Without Limits. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so you can, you can live a great life. You can live an enriched life um, without all kinds of parts. But is that a good idea? No. No, it's not a good idea. You're much better off to... Um, be to whole. Have, yeah, to be mm-hmm. whole. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Physically whole, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, <coughs> where were we up to? The Bible says, verse 11, verse 12, uh, that we are given all of these different things for, for, and in my translation it says, for the perfecting of the saints. Ooh, I wow. like that. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, it's kind of poetic, the perfecting of the saints. I like it when uh, Paul talks about you know our local churches being the saints. It's kind of, you know, an old English thing. We don't we don't really say that so much these days because I think we're all fairly aware that um, when it comes to sainthood, most of us have kind of flunked it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not passing that test anytime soon. <laughs> but that is in our eyes and not in God's eyes. That's right. Um, and there's a big difference between the two. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've got this uh, for the perfecting of the saints. How perfect are you at the moment, Mon? About zero percent. Yeah, I think if we look at ourselves, we are um, we, we see our imperfections. And the closer we come to God, and this is the key thing, the closer we get to God, the more perfect that we become, the less, po- the less perfect we appear because the greater the 
Um, you can see the contrast. Yeah, the greater the contrast yeah. we see between God's righteousness and our impurity. It's like getting to know someone and realizing you have nothing in common. It's like the more you get to know Jesus, the more you realize how perfect he is compared to how imperfect you are. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is something that some people miss because they're like, yeah, I'm going to become a better person and I'm going to, I'm going to change this about my life and I'm going to change that about my life. And they make all of these changes thinking that um, you know, this is, this is um, going to make them more Christ-like and expecting to, when they get there, feel that they're like, I've nearly achieved it, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm nearly there. Mm-hmm. You know? And on the oddest of occasions, you find that rare, strange individual. Yeah, because you want to feel who, good about um, yourself and you don't realize you're actually feeling good about what Jesus has done for you. I've never actually met one of these people, but I've heard, you know, it's as legendary the story about the person like, yeah, I haven't, I haven't sinned in the last three months. Yeah, I've seen one of those people do that live in a conference. You've actually met one? Like some, you know how you just asked me about how perfect I am? There was an evangelist up the front doing a sermon and he asked the audience, like, you know, who here can say that they're perfect or they haven't seen? And this one woman literally put her hand up and said, I can't remember the last time I seen that's how good I am. Did he ask her why she just blew it? <laughs> yes, he did. He did actually. <laughs> that's a little bit scary because yeah. that's somebody who's a long way from God. Yeah. I actually met very, her afterwards and spent some God. time with her and yeah, she's a little bit off track. But yeah. in the top. Yeah, coat. yeah. But, but, and uh, not necessarily in the way that you'd think. She was so intent on earning her salvation and she was just like – you know, there's people who really white knuckle it and they're doing all kinds of sacrificial stuff to try and make themselves as good as possible. It was like that. Mm. Um, and it was very sad because, you know, they had gone to an extreme. They, these people were just like her and her husband. Like they even even told me that they were sleeping in separate rooms because they wanted to um, preserve their energy so they could spend more energy studying the Bible instead of, um, you know, partaking in fleshy activities and I was like oh you've so missed the mark on what you know how this works like Jesus is the one who did all the work and um yeah that is truly yeah. bizarre <laughs> yeah it was, it, was, it was pretty sad and where is this person now uh they're up in Queensland so yeah right. yeah I met them at a conference <sighs> but I can tell you I'm definitely zero percent perfect <laughs> But you know what? When you come to know Jesus and you and you see the perfection of His character, you know, and we do have the people who think that they're gonna, you know, feel good about themselves. You know, if they become a Christian, they're gonna, you know, start making some good choices and become a better human. Um, it actually takes a bit of perseverance of character um, to when you realize that you're not perfect to not, you know, sink into despair. You have to realize you should feel good because of what Jesus has done for you. And not because of who you are, um, and not and not and not become depressed or or give up when you realize how rotten you are. It's a it's actually a really humbling experience. It's a very humbling mm-hmm. experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, wow, just amazing story. Yeah. Okay, so we've got here, um, the Bible says, for the perfecting of the saints. And so what's the point of perfecting the saints if you're never going to feel like you have achieved that? Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts there, Mon? Yeah. See, all of these things, they are there for the perfecting of the saints. Mm-hmm. They are there to make us into better people. But the closer we get to Christ, the more we feel our and see our imperfection. And the, you know, the, it the, should, the, the more we feel our need of Jesus Christ. It should cause us to throw ourselves more fully onto, onto Jesus' mercy and to, and to trust him more. Mm-hmm. Because we realize we have no chance of making it, um, you know, making it into heaven on our own merits. It should bring us to a closer um, 
trust and a closer relationship and a, and a deeper faith in uh, in his merits mm-hmm. when we see how perfect he is and being have and then have to have faith in that. Yeah, absolutely. It reminds me of something else that we were actually looking about in this week's in this week's study, um, or actually this 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 quarter study where we were looking at um, the whole concept of the of the vine and the branches mm-hmm. and how that we become grafted in. And there was a passage here that I was looking for. Let me just find this real quick. Um, yeah, let's go to anyway. I'll look for that in a moment. But the Bible talks about being grafted in and becoming part of you know the family of God. And it's interesting when you look at that concept of a graft. Have you ever done grafting? I have not. Grafting is the coolest thing ever. My brother's done some grafting. So, so yeah, <laughs> medical grafting. When he burnt his leg, oh, and they yeah, had to graft yeah. some skin from his. Okay, so that's that's medical side. grafting. the The principle here is an agricultural principle. Jesus is speaking to a group of people who were living in an agrarian society, and so he's using agricultural illustrations. With agricultural grafting, what you do is you take a bud from one tree, you cut a slot into another tree, you get some tape. And you slide that bud into that slot in the other tree, tape it all up, and what happens is that the sap from the tree that it has been grafted into starts to go through, and some of those, um, you know, those little veins or capillaries or whatever it is, will start to draw sap into that new bud, and so that new bud will continue to grow. But as it grows, of course, the um, the, the you know the bark and everything that's around the tree will grow around it and it will make it a part of the tree. Mm-hmm. Now, from where that bud is, the rest of that branch is going to be from the tree that the bud came from, not from the tree of the rootstock. That just blows my mind. Oh, it's the coolest thing ever. Okay, so here's how you do it in, in you know, commercially. If you want to have, have, say, good apple trees. I come from Tasmania. We used to grow good apple trees down there. And what you do is you find a tree that has the most awesome rootstock, mm-hmm. like really, really solid roots. It's not going to blow over. It's going to send its roots deep. It's going to be able to survive drought. It's going to be able to survive flood. Okay, so good roots. And the apples taste foul. Oh. Like sawdust. Oh, okay. But you don't care mm-hmm. because you have this tree that has great rootstock and then you graft into it an apple that tastes amazing. Oh. So the top half of the tree tastes amazing and the bottom half of the tree has good roots. That's incredible. That's how that's how apple trees are grown. So is when you graft in the yummy apples that it doesn't it doesn't like have like a change of DNA where the sawdusty apples get into like the blood gets into the good apples nope. or something like that. Nope. No, wow. In fact, we had an apple tree that we planted in uh, beside our driveway at our place in Glenhuen, Tasmania. Big mm-hmm. shout out to all of the uh, listeners woo down woo. in Glenhuen, uh, in Glenhuen, Tasmania, and it was a rainbow tree. Oh, so many different grafts. So we had one branch that had Golden Delicious on it. We had another branch that had Red Delicious on it. And we had another branch that had Granny Smith's on it. And so we had red, green, and yellow apples all on one tree. That is so cool. My mind is just blown. I didn't realize you could do that. I thought that when you grafted it together, it sort of just became like a different species and became one. 
So like, and maybe it might be like a couple of generations down the track, but that would eventually just be like. Well, here's the cool thing: the you blend. take that, you take that one bud, mm-hmm. and you graft it into that much bigger plant, tree, whatever it might be, and that one tiny bud actually becomes a part of the tree. And they grow together. It, they grow together, and they're not actually separate in any way.
You're listening to Ben and Noel. I am yours here on Faith FM. Nobody snapped up this quiz yet. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's too hard, but I think it's about to get super easy. Okay. Okay, okay. Last clue. Gamora and I were destroyed by burning sulfur. Gamora and or someone and Gamora. Yeah, someone usually and how we, Gamora. That's how we usually say it. We usually say it. Give us a call. We'll give you the prize. The t- prize today is Real Peace, Real Answers uh, from the Happiness Digest series. 1-800-FAITH-FM is the number to call. All right, so we were talking about grafting before we went away. The Bible says that we are grafted into the family of God. That means that we were not you know, initially a part of the family of God because sin has broken us from God. Sin separates from God. But by being grafted in, you actually physically become one with the parent stock. That's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the same blood that is flowing through your veins is the same blood that is flowing through the blood through the veins of the parent stock, you become one with Christ. This mm. is what this is what uh, this whole concept of unity is all about. And uh, of course, in the agricultural sense, you've got the same sap, the same moisture, the same vitamins, the same nutrients. They're coming up out of the same set of roots. They are traveling through the tree. They are coming to uh, the bud that is you, and they are traveling through you so that you become literally a part of that tree. Because the only reason the bud the is... The same life source that is... Yeah. The only reason the bud is still alive is because the, 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 the stock is sustaining it. That's right. Yeah. And we talked about rainbow apple trees and now one wants to grow a I rainbow totally apple tree. I really want to grow a rainbow tree. <laughs> I want to grow a rainbow everything. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. Okay, so... Um, and, and and this is and this is the whole concept of unity that you know this is this what's what the Bible talks about you know the perfecting of the saints it is being filled with the Holy Spirit being changed into you know the likeness of Jesus and being filled with the Spirit means that that same life current is running through your veins that is running through uh, that is coming to th- to us from Jesus Christ that's the kind of unity that God is calling us to and the kind of experience that we are able to be blessed with it's a very close unity yeah absolutely okay how long were these gifts of the Spirit supposed to remain with the church? It's a good question. I have no idea. Forever. Uh, until Jesus comes. The next verse has the answer. So read for us verse 13. This will continue until we uh, all come uh, to uh, such unity in uh, our yeah. faith. Keyword. <laughs> you write that lot. Until. That's the key word. Which this means will continue it will end. until. Now the Bible is going to tell you how long these gifts are to remain with. God's church for. Until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Okay, so do you measure up to the full and complete standard of Jesus Christ? Not even a little bit. And your friend up in Queensland or wherever that uh, said that they have couldn't remember last time Achieved they sinned? perfect. Uh, were they living up to the full measure of the stature of Jesus Christ? No, they missed the point completely. Uh, did they think they were? They did think they were. That's pretty scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we need to we need to uh, pray for people like this. I'm sure that they're very sincere. They've just sort of kind of missed the point of what the Bible is all about. But anyway, we've got have this this. The Bible says until we come into the uh, the, the you know the full unity of the faith. And mm-hmm. so, if the Bible says 
that these gifts are going to be here until we all measure up to the stature of the fullness of Christ, in other words, we are all 100% perfectly Christ-like, then how long are the gifts of the Holy Spirit going to be with the church? I guess until he comes. Exactly. Yeah. Were you, were you going to say something about the quiz there a minute ago? Yes, we've just got a message from our producers that someone has called in and snapped up the quiz. Congratulations, Katarina from Lane Cove, correctly answering with the name Sodom. And uh, that was going to I knew that was going to disappear sooner or later. Yep, well, Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, Katarina, congratulations. We're going to send you a copy of Real Peace, Real Answers, a beautiful book we hope you enjoy. Very good. All right, so moving on with uh, where we were, we were talking about how long the gifts of the Spirit are going to be with the church. I met somebody one time Mm -hmm. who said that the gifts of the Spirit were only given to the early church. Well, that would be terrible. This was a church pastor. Oh, what? This was a church pastor. Was he saying that because he'd observed his own congregation, was like, there's no gifts here? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe this is the case. I'm not sure. His argument for that, of course, he was actually arguing against the gift of prophecy. I was talking about the gift of prophecy. Oh. And he was like, no, 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 no. The gift of prophecy was only for the church in the time of the apostles. God removed the gift of prophecy after the time of the apostles, and it has not existed since then, and it will never exist again. Far out. So my question is this, Mon. Yeah. Do we have the gift of prophecy still in existence today? Absolutely we do. Uh, did we have it in the... We've had it for all time. Well, yeah, maybe. Well, un- as name, me, name, name, me the- a, name me a prophet living in the 1400s. In the 1400s? Yeah, why not? Living? Who lived? Okay, I, I can't tell you like no, who was living. they're not still living. They're not still living. They would be very old if they were still but living. But we still have the effects of prophets. So we have their writings yes. is what I'm saying. Absolutely. Which means we can refer to but them, I was talking just about, as good as having I was them. talking about the actual gift of prophecy. People Because alive. here the Bible speaks about the gift of prophecy and says it will be here until we all measure up to the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ. Yeah, see, I would have just said that anything written in the Bible that was prophetic is the same as having the gift of prophecy because these people had the gift of prophecy, they recorded their prophet, uh, prophecies, and uh, we still have access to them. So that's what I would have thought you meant that. But if you're talking about people who were alive with the gift of prophecy in the 14th century, I have no idea. Yeah, and this is a very valid question. I believe that for a very large period of time, the gift of prophecy did disappear. Okay. There's simply no record of it historically. There was, you know, there's a number of people who popped up and claimed to have the gift. And when you study their history, you study their lives, you're like, no, these were not jobs. Yeah, I can't think of anyone. Um, it's not uncommon for mentally ill people to claim to have the gift of prophecy. Yeah, there's plenty of people claiming it, but. But genuinely, mm. um, I just do not find it. In modern times, yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. No question in my mind. Yeah. Um, and, and so you've really got a very large gap between the time of the apostles and the modern era where the gift of prophecy seems to have disappeared. And you sort of have to, you know, why was this the case? And I think that there was a number of things that were the reason behind it. But probably the most significant reason is a principle that you'll find from one end of the Bible to the other. And that principle is the principle of the law and the prophets. Amen. This is a concept that you find right throughout Scripture you'll find that the law and the prophets go together. And the Bible will talk about, you know, the law and the prophets this, the law and the prophets that, the law and the prophets, you know, something else. And uh, and as you work your way through that, you'll find that the law of God is very simple, very straightforward, very easy to understand, and God expects us to keep his law. 
right? Right. If we do not keep God's law, that which is simple, straightforward, and easy to understand, then what is the point of God giving us extra information when we're not obeying the information we already have? It's a little bit like, uh, you know, um, learning the ABCs as opposed to learning about vowels and adjectives and nouns and pronouns and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and adverbs and verbs and all those kind of things, which I have no idea what they are. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, we, we learn all about those kind of things when we haven't even learned our ABCs. Yes, yeah, true. So why would God, you know, God has given us his law, his ten commandments, it's just ten, it's really, really simple. Why would God be speaking to us through the gift of prophecy if we can't even... Follow that which is like basic. super easy, super basic, um, super just, you know, right out there. And so the principle you often find is that whenever God's people went away from keeping the law of God, then God refused to speak to them. In fact, and sometimes it's like, don't even talk to me. I'm not going to talk to you because you don't keep my law. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the important thing is that we remain faithful to God's law through his grace. Fearfully, wonderfully made Somehow you forgot along the way Knitted together by my hands Swept away by the world's demands You are so fearfully, wonderfully made Somehow you forgot along the way Knitted together by my hands Swept away by the world's demands And I have called you by name Dearest child You are mine You are precious In my eyes Honored and I Love you I close Search for me, I am the truth. 
enjoy fantastic food, fun, friends and fellowship? Sure do. Then join us at the Philos Food Hub. For $5, you can receive a large food pack with free fruit and veggies thrown in and a complimentary breakfast as well. Wow. Where? At the Adventist Church on Newcastle Road, Walls End, number 63. Is that the big iconic A-frame church near the roundabout? Sure is, and it starts 10am every Thursday. Great. I'll see you there. Melissa Otto with Citizen, and we continue the breakfast show with question of the day because yes. the clue has been snapped up. It Katarina from has Lane been. Cove, congratulations. Yeah, she did a good job uh, answering that one. <clears throat> right on the last cl- uh, clue, no, uh, no less, because it was, I guess because people were getting mixed up between Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, because I think all the clues could have just as easily have been Gomorrah as they could have been Sodom. So, yes, it was right down to the wire there. Uh, Lyle, today's question is actually uh, quite lengthy, but I think you'll be able to answer it. It is, is it wrong to pray for Jesus to come quickly? Won't people run out of time to be saved quicker the sooner Jesus comes? Shouldn't we pray to hold back the winds of strife? Wow, that's a long question with some uh, with a, a few Christianese cliches mixed in with it. It, does um, it is absolutely wrong to pray for Jesus to come sooner. Really? Of course. Okay. Yeah. 
absolutely, Didn't you say yesterday? It's absolutely categorically wrong <laughs> for for anyone to pray that Jesus comes sooner unless mm. you're doing something about it. I Okay, so let me explain how this works. Let's go to uh, well a couple of verses very quickly. Um, the first one I'm going to look at is in Second Peter chapter three where the Bible says this, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 12, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. So the Bible talks about hastening the return of Christ, and it says that we should be doing that. Okay, so we should be praying for this, but then how does it actually take place? I'm going to hold my finger here because I'm coming back to this passage, and I'm going over to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, we're going to go down to verse 14 where it says this, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end will come. So the Bible says that the gospel is going to go to every single person before Jesus comes back. Now this is important obviously because Jesus can't come back until every person has had their opportunity to make a decision either for God or against God. The great thing about that is that we now live in a world where, you know, that's actually not that hard to achieve with the technology that is available to us right now. But the Bible says that he can't come back until everybody has had that opportunity because, going back to where we were, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. That's not why, you know, we haven't seen Jesus come for 2,000 years, not because he's slack. No, 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 no. As some men count slackness, but he is patient toward us not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So what is God's will? God's will is that every person repents. And so God is not going to come back while there is still the opportunity for someone to repent. While ever there is still somebody out there who may not have heard of the gospel message. And so the giving of the gospel message has been entrusted to us as human beings hasn't been given to angels, God isn't doing it himself, he's doing it through us as human beings to the world. He can't come back until the whole world hears that because he's going to close probation, the opportunity for salvation, on the whole world while people are still alive. Okay, so in John chapter 3 and verse 16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Notice the word whosoever there. It is a key word, it is a critical word to understanding this subject right here. The gospel is for whoever. It is for everyone. God hasn't sat up in heaven and gone, you know what, I'm going to create these people to be saved and those ones to be lost over there. It's for everyone, but it needs to be made available to everyone before Jesus comes back. So, if you pray for Jesus to come back sooner and you do nothing about it, then you are condemning or trying to condemn lots of people to destruction. If you pray for Jesus to come back sooner and do nothing about it, you are a total hypocrite. Mm. However, if you pray for Jesus to come back sooner and you do whatever you can to hasten that event, as the Bible says, make it happen sooner, then you are not a hypocrite and that's exactly what we should be doing and Jesus won't come back while ever there is the chance of some person giving their life to him. 
Thank you, Lyle. If you have a question, you can jump to our website, which is faithfm.com.au. Email that thing through and we will answer it live on air and put it on our YouTube channel. On an old rugged cross On a hill long ago Hung one without guilt, without blame And for salvation of souls For the sins of the world That's why my Savior was slain Won't you look to Oh, rugged cross See Jesus And confess His name And say, Father, forgive me I know that I'm lost You'll be found At that old Rugged cross And from that old Rugged cross He was laid in The tomb But death over Him had No claim For Jesus was raised So that all might be saved Believe and break Free from sin's chains Won't you look to The old rugged cross And see Jesus Confess his name And say, Father, forgive me I know that I'm lost You'll be found at that old rugged cross Is lost 
There's a way that is easy There's a yoke that is light Just follow and take up your cross Won't you look to Forgive me, I know that I'm lost You'll be found at that old rugged cross Just lay your burden at the foot of that cross You're listening to Josh Cunningham with Old Rugged Cross here on Faith FM. We have come to the end of our show, and at the end of our show, we like to give things away, and this time you don't have to answer a quiz, you don't have to subscribe to our YouTube channel to be eligible for this one. You just have to be the first caller through. So get ready to write the number number down because I'm about to give it to you, and sometimes people accuse me of speaking too fast. So be quick, one 800 You shouldn't really have to worry about writing that down. You know that that's what it begins with. Okay, but here are the numbers you will need. 324843, otherwise known as Faith FM. Um, Alternatively, you can text us on 0491-064-669 with the... Uh, Be the first one to contact us, and this prize is coming your way. Now, we have been talking about the second coming. We talked about uh, how that we can look forward to and hasten the return of Christ, which then goes on to talk about, you know, the world and the earth being destroyed with fire, and some people get really scared about all that kind of stuff. Our giveaway for today is the book, How to Survive Armageddon. I've met a whole bunch of different people at different times who have come up with lots of different theories about how they're going to survive Armageddon. But how are you going to survive when our world comes to an end? How are you going to survive that last, final, great battle? Well, the answers are all right here for you in this book by John C. Brunt. Great little book, um, probably only about 128 pages, so it's not a long read. Uh, But, you know, Jesus' warnings... Uh, still echo down through the ages. Deception, war, plagues, pestilence, persecution, all of these kind of things. How are you going to survive all that? Give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is our number or text us on 0491-064-669. And don't forget that we are always like to make Bible studies available for anyone who wants to study the Bible. Greater far than tongue or pen. 
can't ever tell It goes beyond the highest star And reaches to the lowest hell The guilty pair bowed down with care God gave his son to win His erring child He reconciled and pardoned from his sin O love of God, how rich and pure How measureless and strong It shall forevermore endure The saints and angels